Living by the Book is our theme for 2013. Uh, our premise is that the book, uh, the Word of God, is the Word of God. Uh, that it has the best advice, the most infallible guide for living this life, uh, because it was written by the Spirit of the Living God. We believe, as the Thessalonians did, that it's not just the Word of men. That it's the actual Word of God. Paul wrote back to the church there and praised them and said that he remembered them in his prayers because of that's how they received the Word. Uh, they didn't take it just as the Word of men, although Paul was uh, an amazing messenger and uh, did miracles and all sorts of things. Uh, they didn't pay attention to that. They understood it was the actual Word of God. Uh, we started with a series called Living Eternally by the Book. Now, we're going to get to living this life by the book, uh, but I thought we needed to cover this first to make sure that we know about how to live eternal life by the book. Uh, the reason I decided that is because there's a lot of stories out, a lot of uh, different teachings, a lot of explanations of how you can get to heaven. A lot of people have different ideas about how to get to heaven, and the book has the way to get to heaven. So we want to make sure we understand that, uh, that we can all live eternally in heaven. We made a plan as we started our series uh, that all year what we do is, first of all, try to know one part of the book. Not all the book. Some people may see that theme, say, living by the book. Oh, my goodness, i got to know the whole Bible. Uh, no, you just need to know some of it uh, to live by that part. So that's our first step is to know one part of the book, understand it, act upon it if we need to act upon it. Uh, so far, we've looked at just four small parts of the book. I imagine there's a few of you in here that can tell me what those four small parts are and uh, even recite them. John 3.16, Acts 3.19, Matthew 10.32, and Mark 16.16. 16. Very small parts of the book. Uh, but that's what we've talked about so far, and let's just review that to make sure we know where we've been in this series. The first one was John 3.16, most famous book, uh, verse in the Bible, uh, but it's got a huge amount of content in it. And we looked at this one word by word as we tried to make sure we knew this verse. God so loved the world uh, that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And our message from that, the part that we took or what we summarized it down to, is believe in Jesus. Well, that's what you have to do to live eternally, is believe in Jesus. Secondly, we looked at one from Acts 3.19 <clears throat> that says, Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. If you want your sins wiped out, which is necessary to go to heaven, you need to repent. And we spent a week talking about repentance and what that meant. <clears throat> Excuse me, how it was a change of mind and uh, repent so that your sins may be wiped out. Third one we looked at, Matthew ten thirty two. Whoever confesses me, Jesus said, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. And we looked at that verse so that we would know it and understood that confessing means agreeing with. If we agree that Jesus is the Son of God, if we're willing to confess that before men, both in initial sense and throughout our life, 
then he will agree with us before the Father. He'll say, this one belongs to me. And that's the only way you're going to get into heaven is if you belong to Jesus. Fourth one we looked at last week, Mark 16, 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And we explained the, the importance of baptism, not that it saves us, not that that's not how we're saved. We're saved by the blood of Christ, by His grace, through our faith. But that is when we are saved. And that's what we learned from that verse last week. So those four verses cover uh, up to the initial point of salvation, when we receive salvation. Uh, Today, we're going to look at one more verse, and this will finish our series, Hebrews 12, uh, verse 1, and the second part of verse 1. It says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, we want to know that verse. That's our plan. We could go through it word by word and look at the Greek and try to understand all of that. Not necessary on this one. This is not a theology course for Greek words in this verse. This is a word picture. This is just a picture that everybody in here of age old enough to understand what I'm saying can figure out what this verse means. Uh, It says there's a race, and that it's marked out for us, and that we need to run it, and there's perseverance involved. That's all the verse means. Let's just shorten the verse down to three words. Run the race. Shorten it down to one word. Finish. And that's what I call this lesson, this sermon, is finish. The first four were very simple. I promised you simple. The very first one, believe in Jesus. Second one, repent. Third, confess. Fourth, be baptized. Fifth, finish. Want to know how to live eternally in heaven? That's it. After you reach that point of initial salvation, which we got to last week, now we have to finish. Uh, There's a verse that might help us understand this. Near the end of his life, Paul said this, and great verse. Paul said, uh, uh, let me have the next slide, please. I, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have... Fought the good fight. There's a fight in that's another word picture. I finished the race. That's a word picture. I've kept the faith. That's what both of them mean. Uh, he had gotten close to the finish line. And he said, I, I've done it. I've finished. Now, the important part of the verse is verse 8, uh, the verse second part of it, where he says, Now there is in store for me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all of those who longed for his appearing. All of this is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. So Paul ties this together. Did you get that? I've fought the good fight. I've finished the course. 
I've kept the faith. Now, he says, now there's in store for me a crown of righteousness. Now, I understand that it's true that we have the crown of righteousness now. If you've done those four things we've talked about so far, if you're in Christ, if you've been clothed with Christ, if you've been united with Christ, if your sins have been washed away, all the things we talked about in the last four weeks, you have that crown of righteousness. It's yours. You have eternal life in heaven. It's waiting for you. But when we get to the end of the course, we can say like Paul did, okay, I've finished. Now I get the crown. Now the crown is waiting for me. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. All right, so that's what the finishing is about. Now let's, let's talk about why we must finish. Let's talk about why we must finish. Can we have another slide here? I'm a little behind. Okay, there was that one. Give me another one. There's that one, the crown. Give me another one. We are now up to speed. Let's talk about why we why we must finish. Okay, uh, it, it's not to earn salvation. We, we got to make sure we understand that, folks. Some of you are confused about that. Uh, there are some teachers that confuse people on this. They may be saying the right thing, but they say it in a way that confuses folks. Finishing the race is essential. We've got to finish. But it's not for the purpose of earning salvation. Some teachers give the impression that when they say finish the course, finish the race, run the race, all that... They give the impression that, okay, if you live good enough, you'll get the crown. Okay? They give the impression that if you live faithfully, and in that faithfully, they, they put things like doctrine. If you get the doctrine right, if you get all the little points right and understand everything just right, which happens to be just like me, if you understand it just like I understand it, I'll call that living faithfully, and you'll get the crown. Some people tie it to behavior. If you behave just the right way. Now, I know you can't be perfect, but as long as you don't do all the things I don't think you ought to do, and as long as you do all the things I think you ought to do, then I'll call that living faithfully. That's not what this is about. That's not what the finishing is about. Listen closely. We are saved. And I'm talking to the Christians in here, the, the, the ones who have understood the first four and have acted on that and have done that. We are saved. And there's a whole ton of verses in there that talk about that. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and on says, nothing. He lists all of that. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We are saved. And when he says nothing can separate us from the love of God, that means if you get a little bit of doctrine wrong, if you get a little bit of behavior wrong, if you get a little bit of performance wrong, that can't separate you from the love of God because it's not doctrine or performance or behavior that saves you. It's the blood of Christ. 
So finishing is not about that. Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.12, now understand, Paul's the one that said, I always mess up. I don't always do what I want to do. In fact, he was so serious about it, he said, everything I want to do, I, I just don't do it right. But he also said in 2 Timothy 1.12, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded, I'm convinced that he's able to guard that. To hold that, what I've entrusted to him for that day. He's got it. I'm in his hand and nothing can separate me from him. Now I know the Bible also goes on and says, if we finish in faith. But we've got to understand that. Colossians 1, 21, 23, I put it on your handout. Paul said, once you were alienated from God. He's talking to the Colossians, but it applies to all Christians. Once you were alienated from God, now he has reconciled you to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation, if you continue in your faith. If you continue in your faith. Okay, we've got to make sure we know what that means before we go on. Let's just pull over here and discuss that a little bit. Now, we're going to do a lot more of this in the next series. We'll, we'll cover it in more detail. But for right now, let's just make sure we understand. What he says is, if you continue in your faith. He doesn't say, he does not say, if you continue in perfect behavior. He doesn't say, if you continue to have perfect doctrine. And understand every verse in the Bible. He doesn't say, if you meet my list of behaviors or doctrine. What he says is, if you continue in your faith. Well, what's our faith? Where, did, where have we been for four weeks? What's the first one? Anybody remember John 3.16? He that believeth in him. If you trust in Him, if you put your trust in Him and realize that He is the one that saves you, it's His blood, it's His grace. If you have faith in that, if you continue in that, then you get that crown of righteousness. If you finish that way. There's some people that don't finish that way. And not many. There are not many Christians that turn away from that faith, but there have been some. The church in Galatia, they started trusting in something else. And Paul wrote to them, whoa, he said, you better not believe another gospel. You better not trust in something else. In fact, he called them fools. Because they started trusting in Jesus. They received salvation just exactly like we talked about for four weeks. And then somebody came in and said, hey, you need to do this. And they gave him an act and said, you've got to do this. And they started putting their trust in that. And Jesus said, you fools. If you want to trust in something else, go ahead and try it. But there won't be a crown of righteousness there. If you don't finish in your faith. So that's what it means. Keep trusting in him. If we do that, we are saved. If we finish in that faith. There's some that forsake it. Paul had a good friend, Demas. 
And he wrote about him. He said, Demas, he decided he loved the world more than he loved following Christ. So he went back to the world. He gave up. He, he quit the faith. So it's not to earn salvation. Get that out of your head. Why we must finish is because we are saved. That's why we must finish. Because we are saved. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. Give me the next slide, please, I think. There. That's how we finish. It is because we're saved. Ephesians 4 1 says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You may want some details on that. You may want to know all about, okay, how do I finish? Give me the details. I could do that, but it'd take all year. It'd take 10 years. Do you realize that what the New Testament's about? Is how to finish? There's very little in there about how to start. The, the four weeks we've spent, that's a very little part of the New Testament. The, the New Testament was written to people who are saved. The New Testament was written to Christians. And it says, here's how you live life. Here's how you finish. Okay? So I, we could go through all that, but man, it'd take a long time. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to give you just a few points, a few biggies maybe here. I know you can think of some more. And I was making this list, and every time I thought of one, I thought of five more. And I decided, you know, they're going to get up and leave at some point. They're not going to hang in there for all that. So I'll just stick with five. I'll stick with five. I think they're fairly major ones. They're fairly representative. But here's how you finish. First, by practicing what is right and good. And I gave you a verse for every one of these. Acts 2.42. People that didn't know Jesus, they went through those first four steps. Some of them did it all that day. They believed in Jesus, they repented, they confessed, and they were baptized. Then it says what those people did, whether they had understood Jesus before that day or not, once they had got to that point, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. That's how they finished. Once they had been saved, once they had done what we've talked about, they had to finish the race. And here's one piece of finishing that race, is they devoted themselves to what the apostles taught and to being together in fellowship and to breaking bread like we did a few moments ago, and to praying. Now, I admit there's two ways to look at this verse. You can put on your legalistic dome glasses and look at that verse and say, okay, I got to keep an attendance chart. I got to study the Bible. I, I got to, I got to do all these things. So when I get there to get the crown of righteousness, I can show him my attendance chart that I was really devoted to all of this. That's one way to look at it. Like I said, that's legalistic and dumb, but it's a way to look at it. You can put on your grace glasses, however, 
your I am a child of the king glasses and look at that and say, well, of course, <laughs> I'm saved. I want to know what, how I should live life. I want to learn the apostles' teaching so I know what to do. Because remember, I want to live a life worthy of my calling. I want to finish. Well, of course, I'll, I'll devote myself to fellowship because I want to be with my brothers and sisters. That's where I get encouragement. That's how I get stronger. That's how I grow. Well, of course, I want to break bread with the family of God because I want to keep that sacrifice ever fresh in my mind. I want to do that. Well, of course, I want to pray. So all of this just makes sense. Well, of course, that's the way you finish. Second, by, by practicing good. Secondly, by growing. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter said, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. You got faith. He says, now add to it goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Once again, you can look at this as a checklist. Say, okay, I'm going to work on these babies. I'm going to get every one of them now. Okay, I'm tackling goodness first. And when I got goodness really down pat, then I'm going to go try to get some knowledge. And once I get all the knowledge I can get, then I'm going to work on self-control. Once again, that'd be the wrong way to look at it. These are all good things, but that's not what Peter's saying. What Peter is saying is grow up. He says, here's what a a life of a Christian who is finishing well looks like. They're getting more Christ-like every day. They're they're gaining self-control and knowledge and goodness and kindness and perseverance and godliness and all of this. They're going to have a more influential life, which we'll talk about in just a moment. They're going to be a better ambassador if they add all these things. This is a picture of somebody that's finishing well. They're they're practicing the right and good things, and they're growing. Thirdly, by encouraging fellow Christians. Hebrews 10.25 directly tells us to do this. It says, let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more, as you see the day approaching, as you get closer to that finish line, do more encouraging. Once again, see, this is a countercultural thing. The world teaches us, well, it's all about me. You know, I take care of myself and I do what's good for me. This verse says, no, it's not all about you. You're supposed to help others. You're supposed to encourage others. You're supposed to lift them up. You know, as I wrote this one down, I couldn't believe how many verses came to my mind that tell us that. How do you finish? You count others better than yourselves. You don't do anything out of vain ambition. I mean, on and on it goes. It's think of others. That's the way you finish. Fourth, by positively influencing people around us. Jesus in Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, said, You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Let your light shine. 
listen to the rest of it, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Hey, right back to our initial thing. Why do we finish? Well, if I do enough good deeds, then I'll get the crown. No, right here he says, no, you do good deeds so people can see and glorify God. That's your goal, is to bring glory to God as you finish. We should be an influence, a salt and light is his picture of that. Answer me this, does the Bible say that God is not willing that any should perish? Does it say he wants all men to come to repentance? If that's what he wants, how does he go about that? What's his method? What's his method for trying to get people to not perish and to have eternal life? You realize he could have, he could have done that a whole lot of ways. You realize he could have just dropped a New Testament on every unbeliever's nightstand. I mean, at two in the morning, sleeping soundly, bang, New Testament's there. Would you wake up and say, I better read this thing? That'd get your attention, wouldn't it? God could have done that. Well, he did have some guy named Gideon take care of the hotels for him, but <laughs> the, the rest of us, he doesn't use that method. He doesn't drop a New Testament on everybody. What he does is leaves New Testament Christians scattered around. Okay? If baptism was the end of it, when we came up out of the water, he'd just take us right on to heaven. But it isn't the end. He left us here for some reason. He left us here to finish. He wants us to finish, and part of finishing is influencing people around us, being salt and light. That's why he left us here. Fifth, last one, by passing on the faith to the next generation, by teaching others. And there's really two parts here, both the home and in the church. First verse I gave you was Ephesians 6, 4. That's what parents are supposed to do. Fathers particularly, bring your children up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Go back and read Deuteronomy 6 if you want to know what God's plan is for children. 2 Timothy 2 talks about in the church. Timothy was supposed to teach the things that he had learned from Paul. He was supposed to entrust them to reliable men who will be qualified to teach others. That's one reason we finish. That's how we finish is by passing that faith on to the next generation, both in the home and in the church. We train younger people so that they will know the faith. Sixth one. I forgot I had a sixth one there. Live by faith. Living by faith is how we finish. Listen to 2 Corinthians 16 through 18. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what's seen is temporary, but what's unseen is eternal. Now this living by faith thing, 
And, and I, I realize it covers all of it. That we could have just had one point and this would have been it. Because it encompasses everything. It encompasses uh, the growing and the encouraging and the, the influencing and the teaching the next generation. Living by faith demonstrates faith. So it covers all those things. But this, uh, the reason I picked this passage is because it, it's particularly when ri- life gets tough that we live by faith. It's easy to live by faith when everything's going well. Okay? And sometimes... Everything goes real well. Most of life's tough, though. I have a lot of life that's tough. Yeah. And it's always tough in one sense, but what Paul's talking about here is particularly the end of life. You old folks, listen to me now. I'm starting to understand about this old folk thing. Yeah. It gets tougher. Getting old is not for sissies. It's hard. And Paul talks about it. He says, when you understand that you're wasting away, the outside is is wasting away. It's then when we really fix our eyes on what's unseen. We don't look at what's seen. We live by faith. We get through the hard times. We get through the, all, the, all the tough stuff. When we're in that period, and for some it comes very early in life, but when, when we get to that period, well, when you're wasting away, your mind says, I have an eternal glory. I have an eternal glory that makes all of this seem light and momentary. You understand what Paul says there? You know some people with some really bad problems, don't you? Every one of I don't. If we took a poll somehow and figured out who had the most problems in here, we could have you stand up and you could tell us somebody that has more problems than you. Yeah. Whatever your problems are. And Paul lumps all of that together and he says all of that's light and momentary. Boy, it doesn't seem like it sometimes in the middle of it, does it? But that's what the principle is. Compared to what we're in line for. Compared to that eternal glory. That crown of righteousness because we finished. Compared to all of that, these are light and momentary. And you don't see that with your Physical eyes, you see that with your eyes of faith. All right, those are six ways to finish. Practice good and right things. Grow, encourage others, influence others, teach the next generation. Live by faith even when it's tough. That finishes our series. We've been talking about living eternally by the book. I think I've told you how. I promised you short and easy to know things. Just a final exam here. Have I kept my promise? Is this short and easy to know? I think it is. Believe in Jesus, repent, confess, be baptized, and finish. That's the way to live eternally. Now, next Sunday, we're going to take time out for marriage matters for a week of that. It'll be great for everybody. Please be here. Then, when we come back the week after that, we're going to start a new series. 
And I'm calling it living confidently by the book. This is about living this life confidently. I'm going to talk a lot more about grace and legalism and all the kinds of things we talked about so that we can live confidently by the book. I believe this is a very necessary thing for Christians these days. I think we need to know this. So we're going to spend a series on that. All right, that's what's coming. Now, the question for you today, we finished every lesson with you taking time to think through it. We hope you know a part of the book. But then you've got to decide what you do with that part of the book. It actually is the Word of God. You need to act on that part of the book. So my question for you today is, can you say what Paul said? I told you the second part of the verse was the important part. He, the first part, he said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now, you may not be toward the end of your life yet, but can you say this next one? Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Even if you don't want to take hold of it for 50 more years, can you say that crown of righteousness is in store for you? To say that, you have to have done those first four things. You have to be working on the finishing part now. If you can't say that, if you're not sure, we talked about this when we started this series, there are some people who aren't sure they're going to heaven. By the book, I've told you how you can be sure. So if you know all of that now, you're still not sure, you need to act. You need to act this morning on those first four things that we talked about and then begin to finish that race so you can claim that crown of righteousness. Come to the front. Let's stand and sing.